Hello, hello, all. Welcome back to the Popcorn Podcast. Yes, that's Popcorn, P-O-C, for people of color. This is the podcast where we discuss films made by, starring, produced by, written by, one of those, all of those, whatever we can get, we will do. And we review it. And they're all, oh, sorry, written by all that jazz, by people of color. Missed that part. But if you caught it in the beginning, you didn't need it at the end. So here we go. Um, remember, this is also a podcast full of spoilers. We review, but we review with all the details. So if you haven't seen it yet, you don't want to be spoiled, this is your chance to leave. But if you can't leave us because you love us so dearly, come, stay, listen to these spoilers with us. Um, today, we're going to be discussing the film Strange World. If you know me, you know I love animation films, super happy, and it was in the right time span for Esther, so we're good. Let's introduce ourselves. <laughs> I'm one of your hostesses, Tamaya. Please introduce yourself, lovely madam of the West Coast. Well, it appears that I am the other person named Esther, and I am yes. so happy to be with you all here with a movie that was less than two hours. So let's okay. <laughs> no, we're gonna try to keep. I don't know how long we can keep this this going, but uh, <laughs> but we are here. So. This realm, this time, I will be asking Esther the questions. But as you know, we all, we both like to talk about all aspects of the film regardless. So you'll hear our review on both sides. So Esther, would you like to please begin with the synopsis of Strange World? Indeed, indeed. So Strange World actually is still playing in theaters as of this recording. Right? It Look at us released. being on top of things. Look at us. I know, right? It was released in November 23rd, 2022, so right before the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And it is a Walt Disney Animation Studio um, action-packed animation film, which introduced us to three generations of the legendary Clad family as they attempt to bend together and navigate an uncharted, treacherous land beneath their world yes. and the reason why we decided to make this movie or talk about this movie for our popcorn podcast is because not only is it written by the famous Queen Nguyen who is the writer of Raya and the Last Dragon I believe mm -hmm. in Big Hero 6 mm -hmm. but it is it also stars the amazing Gabrielle Union as Meridian Clade, as well as Lucy Liu as Callista Mal, um, along with other people, uh, and introducing Jabuki Young White as the uh, youngest Clade uh, family member. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we are excited. Let's get. I it. love how you said also with other people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, non-POCB. <laughs> they were in there. Carry on, carry on. All right, so that is our synopsis. Now you know why we're talking about it. You know what people of color have brought us to this stage, this platform. Let's get into it, people. So excited. So first, Esther... Our famous questions here on the Popcorn Podcast. What were you expecting? What have you heard from the film Strange World? Honestly, I, from what I heard, it was mostly negative, which is sad. And it was primarily around the fact that 
uh, it did not get a lot of marketing dollars behind it mm. uh, that um, a lot of primarily conservative um, people were against um, again from what I heard right they were against yeah. the focus with one of the characters in that they were gay mm-hmm. and apparently this was like the first sort of openly gay Walt Disney character mm-hmm. an animation at the very least mm-hmm. and third was that it did not well make... I, I probably in a feature film I believe yes yeah but go on and that uh third um because of the lack of marketing dollars behind it it did not fare so well at the box office. So right now, according to Wikipedia, it had a budget of 135 to $180 million. Mm. And, it, and it has only made $62.7 million within a month of its release, which is, you know. Not great. Not great. And unfortunately, those are the numbers that people lean on to decide whether they're going to do it again. But if you don't give it a fair shot and marketing and pushing it out there, that's not a fair, that's not a fair assessment because they didn't, exactly. they didn't go hard to the paint with um, this marketing, I can admit. Yes. So this is what I, you know, was coming into um, with my, my preconceived, you know, Got it. information. Got it. Okay. Me, again, I hadn't even heard of it that much. I saw, you know, there's always going to be in the movie theaters where there's like, you know, five to 10 different um, mature films available or live action. There's going to always be one animation that's kind of snuck in there that you can watch so that they can still get you in the theaters with your kiddos. And so this seemed like that one, like that one that was not hugely put out there, not, you know, huge following. They didn't put any type of like frozen status and Kanto status uh, marketing behind it. It's just one of those kind of ones that snuck in there. And unless you have cable and are watching the Good Morning Americas, the all those things where they interview literally every person for every movie coming out ever, <laughs> you wouldn't know exactly like what's happening like so I found out that Gabrielle Union was in this film that was in the theaters before I even found out about the film oh so it was like yeah because I heard like her talking about it it was like oh cool you know um I I love her you know she's one of I feel like great um great actresses of our time and of color so I decided you know whatever she's in sure and then it's for my kiddo absolutely I'm always looking for a kiddo film Mm-hmm. So that's how I heard about it. And they they I love that they focused on in all the interviews, the dynamic between the three generations in this film and the generational differences and how they're trying to get over it. I found that there was even a I found it was definitely that was the story, but there was an even bigger story underneath it. And I love that. I love a good reveal. Mm-hmm. So I just had, you know, it was a great time. But that's what I heard beforehand. Not much, but I was ready. You're t- oh yeah, my next question. <laughs> um, so what did the inciting incident incite in you? And as always, we need to decide uh, what is the inciting incident we will claim for this film. Um, well, I feel like for me, right, is mm-hmm. when they enter the new world. Right. Is the inciting incident 
and to a lesser degree, one searcher kind of encounters his dad who's been missing, quote unquote, missing for 25 years. And that's right. when we start that like multi-generational yes. conversation. Yes. And I what cited in me, um, I don't know. It because for the most part, it was it was I was very even keel. Mm-hmm. And I really was fa- like not fascinated, but very enthralled with the graphics. Like the cinematography was just beautiful. Wasn't was it? Amazing. And the world, like the how like somebody could envision something so foreign yet familiar. Yes. Really, really <laughs> picked my um attention. So I guess in a way, the storyline. Not so much in terms of, again, like the inciting incident, but really it was just the attention to detail with the animation Mm -hmm. and just how the different, like just everything about the color, like they really, I think, did a great job with color right? in this film. And that really was what got me just enthralled even more with the world building and the journey that we were on agree agree I would actually um I definitely would second that I agree with you the inciting incidents of when you know they started being attacked by these things as they start trying to dig to try to find the heart of the plant that is saving their world that they rely on and as they're finding it they get attacked and the attack forces the ship to go lower into the ground through basically not a portal but through to, to this like a whole like yeah yeah like they kind of push through into another dimension it seemed underneath their their actual world that they knew and it was just stunning um so it just it really opened your eyes to oh this is about to be a whole now we're all just trying to figure out where the heck in the multiverse are we at right now and inciting in me um I was just ready to discover with them. I was kind of open. My mind was just opened up from what, you know, typically you see, you know, land, farms, is that and the third, going through this crater, even seeing familiar to you get into this big, bright world and each animal and each creature and each thing alive is doing something different. You're trying to figure out what's everybody's purpose. What are they all kind of, you know, I was just right there with them wanting to discover every inch of it. So it incited in me a sense of discovery. Mm-hmm. And kind of like, you know, where, where, where are we going from here? I'm so yeah, excited to see where are we going yeah. from here. <laughs> I feel like when we met um, our uh, searcher's father, then it got really um, played by Dennis Quaid, which yes, he is a Wahite, but he is one mm-hmm. of my, one of my favorite Wahite actors personally, actually, I have his autograph. It's because yeah. of Parent Trap. Um, that's literally the only reason why. Um, so anyway. Um, it was it was really really cool seeing their dynamic and seeing you know how will Jaeger I believe his name was um, kind of react mm-hmm. and and how will he relate to Jabuki oh sorry his actual the name was Ethan yes Ethan in the film mm-hmm. and you know what that dynamic will be you know from is he that old school because you know he's like 25 years removed even from civilization not to mention he already had a very narrow mindset when we met him in the beginning of the film 
what is what is this all going to be like now? So now I'm like, I'm ready to discover this world. And also I'm excited to learn about this family dynamic and ooh, so much baggage, ooh, so much trauma, ooh, so much to unpack. Ooh. So we only have like 45 more minutes. How are we going to do this? So it was interesting to see. So yeah, that was that for me. Um, third question, did the climax deliver? Or do you even want to go into the whole the protagonist antagonist was there a clear one here to feel like they had a cute like line in the film that related like, to stuff yeah i will say this right please um, and i love i'll say i love and i don't know if it's particularly walt disney animation or pixar whoever who's making just like animations <laughs> lately they have really pushed the boundary of um I want to say like a family dynamics and storytelling mm -hmm. because growing up right um two things for sure will happen in a kids movie nonetheless mm -hmm. you will have a villain yes who is going to be deemed ugly or unsuccessfully like just take the mental of ugliness yes and you're going to have some sort of love interest that is going to be heteronormative. Mm -hmm. uh, and I love how lately we are this focusing formula, on family right? and yeah. family and all of its complexities. Yes. All of its varied cultural um, nuances, but still comes back to a very un universal understanding that we are just trying our best and sometimes our intention like our impact let me rephrase this sorry, our impact is way more um critical than our intention because at heart as you know family members as loved ones we do in our head have the best intentions but those that we go about it sometimes have such devastating impact and it's mm. hard for us to see that because again we have best intention right so that's what i love about this particular storyline because again it's a very straightforward easy to digest storyline we've seen mm -hmm. it you know we've seen it mm -hmm. But this time around, there is no villain that there's no ugly villain. There's no boogie person lurking in the shadows. Right. No obvious stereotypical. Yeah. But, and even like in a very fantastical film as this, um, where you could easily right make one of the make one of the beings as we understand them, be the scary, you know, shadowy antagonist, mm -hmm. we realize that no, like actually, <laughs> we it's all about like, once you understand or see the truth, that it sheds, like literally shedding light yeah. on things that seems obscure to us. Mm -hmm. For me, beside like the family unity lesson of it all it also shows that 
when you're operating on very limited information mm. and it is limited it is knowledge that also confirms your own bias mm. it's really easy to stay in mm -hmm. that darkness yes and continue with that path yes and you have to and i think that's a even bigger hero undertaking is once you have that light shine upon you, what do you do with that new knowledge? Do you keep forging and stay with that bias of yours because it's safe, it's comfortable, it 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 um it keeps you in your world as you know it functioning, or do you go against your bias for actually the betterment of as much people as possible because you have that new knowledge, right? Because again, we won't know everything. And we, as human being, our brain is wired in that we have to operate, mm -hmm. do some knee-jerk um, reaction sometimes because of the limited information that we have. Right. But really it's what happens when you have that new very mind-shattering, world-shattering information. Do you go against the beaten path? Or do you retreat and keep going with what you, you know, quote-unquote, set out to do? Right. So in that way, the climax really, really delivered because we learned that, hey, we are part of this bigger ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And what we thought was beneficial to us Oh, actually detrimental to the whole world. So in a way, it also has an ecological lesson. Yes, yes, yes. Which I loved. Yes. Because what I kept thinking about is that like, um, how as of late, we're learning more and more again, right? Because we are, we are shedding more light into different aspects of the world that how destructive invasive species can be. Yeah. And just again, like invasive species, they're invasive because one, they're not, actually um i want to use i want to use the word like natural to that particular environment or that particular ecosystem right so they're not meant to be in that particular ecosystem but somehow mm -hmm. they've arrived there usually mm -hmm. because of human interaction mm -hmm. through the destruction of their own ecosystem or because mm -hmm. we traveled or we took one thing from here and moved it there because it was again easier on us humans right 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 and so when that invasive species is like oh we have this new land with no natural predators let's go wild okay let's go wild because hey nature is gonna nature <laughs> nature is gonna nature and it's one of the reasons why i absolutely like loved and wanted you to see this film because again i feel like it was very much wake up climate change um mm -hmm. you know the, I was using in a last podcast episode that we recently recorded, like working with your environment versus working against it. And I got it from this film, that statement mm. from this film. And I love that Ethan, the uh, actual queer character in this film, he, um, I love that he was 
not only a new generation, which was very much like our world here, like like Esther mm -hmm. saying, how we're enlightening, shedding light on things. Each generation learns a little something more mm -hmm. than the older one. And the older one is just like, you know, let's take over so we can survive. While the younger one is like, we actually might be able to work with this and survive better and longer. Um, and how each one has found, in, each generation found a new way to survive in the environment that they were placed in. And how Ethan's so naturally open to this new strange world mm -hmm. um, and figuring it all out. And how he loves this game called Primal Outpost. And he tries to introduce it to his father and his grandfather. And the game is literally working with your environment versus against it. And the grandfather and father is so head hell bent on, destroy it. It's going to affect this. So this and the third. And he's like, no. Don't do that. They're like, it's a bad guy. It's evil. He's like, there are no villains here. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny to me when he said yeah. that mm -hmm. because that has been a running theme in Disney and Pixar movies mm -hmm. lately of we're not going to have the obvious <laughs> villain. Right. It's more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. Everyone has the capability of being the villain, the, the antagonist or the protagonist. Everyone has not black or white. It's gray. It's so gray. And so there is no outward villain. And so he even lets the parents like, destroy this thing in the game and he's like but now because you killed that now here comes all these locusts who are going to come kill your crops and stuff because that was supposed to work with that like and it was just so it was very a little pinch of how environments work and how like you were saying that invasive piece can so alter everything in the most negative of ways and it was just a little pinch of that with using that primal outpost game it was mm -hmm. a little bit of education. And I absolutely love that. It was like, I learned so much. And I love that more and more films are trying to teach us how to think differently and open up more and and live longer and really, really thrive better in this world we're put in. So I, I absolutely love that. Um, I agree with you a thousand percent. And I did feel like the climax delivered because I did not see that coming. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was so was good. And I feel like, again, because I was reading something quickly about somebody's criticism of the film, and it was that, oh, it's just so, basically the storyline is so simple. And for me, I feel like sometimes being able to tell something simply is harder than yes. going on for two, three hours yes. talking and talking about it, right? Because yes. you really have to distill it and make it accessible to not just adult minds, right? But kiddos. Yes, I make it digestible to all forms, yeah. Yeah, so I think their take is wrong, if I may so say so myself. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> but again, is that we, yes, yeah, like kind of the real, real, right? Because I think there's two sort of big reveal. One is, hey, we have this organism that's basically been critical to our our past and our future like we just not only depend on this but it's like it's the lifeblood of our whole economy our whole yes. way of life yes and it's, and it's made extremely convenient it's given yes. us so much convenience yeah and the simplicity thing is yes but it's dying why is it dying? it's dying and so right and then we go to oh like it's being attacked by this like Again, right? This like blobby, weird what creatures, and, yes. And so we're like, oh, like so. Our goal here is to get at the root of it and repair it, right? And then we come to learn that hey, actually, this thing that's been like life sustaining for us is literally killing this actual 
big thing that's actually sustaining us. Right. The actual <laughs> we thing that we're aware of. Yes. Yes. The earth that we live on or then this thing, the creature yeah. we live on. And we thinking by making this thing live and helping it thrive, we'll live a beautiful, longer, more convenient life. But ultimately what happens is it can kill the larger thing, which would then sink, which would then kill us for sure. Sure. Exactly. But we and don't like, know that because we don't really, it's, it's the world is so much bigger then we give it credit for or even try to you know so so focused on and ethan says this line like that too where he's like the farm is just so small but the world is just so big and his mind is so much more he wants to do so much more than just focus on his little plot of land like his dad wants to do which is that can be that can be it's simple but it can be expressed so deeply yeah and so much of what we do so maybe a, a little sub question that I feel it will be good for us to discuss is as parents ourselves, right? We're both parents. Mm -hmm. um, how to balance what we know and what we know is safe for our um, kiddos with this bigger world that we ourselves don't know that, but we we are aware might be a very dangerous, uncertain world for them. How do you balance um, helping with that curiosity, but also installing a sense of you need to be aware of your surroundings and just be safe? Because I think, right, with the grandparent, with like, you know, Jaeger, he was all like, we need to go out. We need to go out and explore, no matter mm -hmm. how, how dangerous it might be, but we need to go out and explore. Mm -hmm. And then in response to that, right, because that's kind of how we are as human, in response right. to that, we go the opposite way when we are pushed to that extreme. And mm -hmm. for a uh, searcher, he's like, no, 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 I need to be home mm -hmm. with my family and make sure that I'm always available to them because my father wasn't available to me emotionally. Mm. And then you have Ethan, right, who's just now having to uh, wrestle with both of these extremes of I want to be adventurous and go out and and explore the um, unknown the unknown versus being home and knowing that you know it's safe that you know things will just at least you know feed me shelter yeah. me routine kind of right routine so how do we do that balance well like at least sort of ideas or thoughts or feelings about that. I said, we say this a lot. I feel like on our, um, or we've said this before, either on this podcast or on our po parenting podcast, the nap hour, shameless plug. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but having to stoke that curiosity in them. Like I know with my kids, I'm very comfortable saying, I don't know. I'm mm. very comfortable with saying, let's watch this or find this or see what this does. Mm -hmm. Like the, I, I'm very good at leaning into what I don't know or pushing past fears that I innately have. Mm -hmm. I have a fear of the simplest flying on an airplane, but at the same time, I don't have, I don't allow it to stagnate me to not explore or visit the people I love or see new, new places, even though that fear is so deep. Um, and it's those type of things I want to kind of um, push in my children mm -hmm. and just, you know, 
really be eager to learn, be eager to learn more. Do not stick in the, I think I know everything or I know enough. I think that is such dangerous territory. I find that, um, I love the men in my family, but I do find that some or many of them do lean into that a lot more. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a part of the masculinity, the raising the society aspect of it, of, you know, you got to be a confident, know-it-all type kind of dude. But, and I feel like, and I've seen in a lot of relationships, heterosexual relationships, where it seems to be kind of a dynamic where the woman is, you know, called like, um, we're, we're told we're very emotional or softer them or, you know, um, very lenient or whatever, instead of being kind of hard set, this is what mm. we do, figure it out. Um, and it's not all relationships, obviously, but it's been on a lot that I've witnessed. And I find that we are absolutely necessary aspects. Uh, we're necessary parts of these children's lives just because we can bring that kind of dynamic of no but there's other ways to do this we don't have to just do it this way or they can say no you know it's just and again it's not just a woman thing but just in my own experience and so I've had to combat that in my own life mm. where I feel like I'm like let's be more open let's try these new things let's mm -hmm. learn something a little new and I'm okay with saying I don't know and I realize how many people really are not okay with admitting that they are ignorant in, a, in, a, in in anything. And that I feel like is how we got here. <laughs> I mean, in this world. And so that's the balance I wanna try to stoke and create in my kids to just want to learn more, want to figure out more. Like I'm going to buy another book. I'm going to put on another show. I want you guys to explore because I don't know all the answers and I really want you guys to do better. Just. We always have to want the next generation to be better and do better than we are. Even if we think we're perfect, there's always something better. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And I guess that's all I got for now. What about you? Um, I love your thought process. And that's something that I also definitely agree with and am on that journey along with you. And that, you know, again, I have relatively very young kiddos so I know there's more to come um, <laughs> but I already am seeing in myself how much and being put in the role of a parent I've already have had to retrain my thoughts on certain things mm -hmm, and, that part, and yeah. those seems again things that on the surface feel very small but it's because they're so small they have such big impact yes. mentally. Yes. one of the examples is I have twins and they are very just energetic and have no concept of fear <laughs> so what does that mean is that I have very young toddlers who will you know move our chair so that they can use that as a stepping stool to climb into our counters and just try to open doors and do all of this stuff. Mm. And I grew up in a household where it was very much risk adverse. It was very much, you don't do things 
because I don't want you to hurt yourself, right? And I see that now that it's part of my mom's own upbringing and anxiety in that Mm. way for her children. So Mm. what that meant for us is that we really didn't do after-school activities. We didn't really do things, athletic, all of that, partly because of money, but also because she just, you know, really had a fear of us being hurt by people, Mm. you know? And so now, as I was saying, right, my kids are just very much with in that mindset of we will, you know, climb on anything, do everything. (laughs) And I'm finding myself very much like with this, my put upon anxiety because of my mother, where I'm just like, at the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I just, I can't let you do this because you're going to, you know, hurt yourself. And then, you know, this avalanche of um intrusive thoughts of what you know the worst thing that could happen is right and now like for example today as one of them was doing this I was like you know what like why don't I am right next to him he does it and I help him along and also say hey you know what what you're doing as you can see you're kind of getting away from the counter that's hurting you know like kind of not see this as a complete no and shutting yeah. it down yeah but being like I'm gonna be right there with you as you explore but I will also you know sort of talk you through how this is dangerous how there's a better way and at times taking him off of that chair not in an angry um vexing way because again I'm human right I'm getting yeah. vexed Vex because hey, I have to keep doing this back yes. and forth. I have two of them. <laughs> one is this way, one is the opposite way. But yes. it's like again, right? It's a big learning curve for me of like patience mm-hmm. of dealing with my own, you know, anxiety and yeah. so I just and parenting is learning, as we said in the nap hour, again, shameless plug. It's a lot of parenting yourself going oh my back God. Yes. and yes, and 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 reconciling with that inner child of yours of yours and whatever just negative experience or traumas that they still are reeling from so that you can Mm. be the best parent you can be for that child right because I took my kids to a gymnastic class and I can see how just letting them explore stuff works to their advantage because my kids were you know doing things without fear that kids who are a bit older than them were very apprehensive to do like mine yeah like, oh, you want me to like do a turn and like completely just you know um use that handlebar and like kind of do a flip I'll do that again <laughs> you want me to like go and do the like bouncy sort of uh catwalk oh I'm gonna keep doing it and again and again and again because that's fun yes you know and yes I'm gonna fall but like I'm gonna get get back up again because I know that like whatever I'm on is safe for me to be on because my mom and my dad wouldn't let me do this stuff Mm. it wasn't like you know at much as much safe for me as possible yeah I love that yeah I love that but but it took again right a lot of just like internal wrestling yes (laughs) to get there and again like I said I'm just starting right it's just a start And, and it might seem very small but as I said it has taken a lot to get to that small realization right 
And that, and like you were saying, shedding light on it, just learning more and all this other stuff. It's very much like Searcher in the film. Yes. With Ethan, he was like shelter, shelter, shelter. No, yeah. no, 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 no. And it took a took Ethan to be like, look, <laughs> this is what I want to do with mine. And it had to. He had to kind of bring it back, like, oh my god, I'm just the opposite, but just as intense version of my father was to me, which I didn't appreciate. Mm-hmm. It's and it's that reteaching each generation of how to best serve the next generation, not you, not the past, but the next generation. And again, I feel like I appreciate this being a parent because it's one of the yes. things that um, unless you parent and it can be right, your biological children, kinship, whatever. But once you get into that caregiver parenting role, mm-hmm. you sort of realize that the previous generation, we always owe them a big things because they did for us for the most part right again i'm not talking about like no abusive just yes, horrible, of course. Just like most people they did for us as best as they could within the parameters that they were given in the again the knowledge that they had right and very the limited knowledge. yeah the situation that we were that they were in as they were themselves parenting mm-hmm. um and we are children and product of that and now we are doing the same thing for children. And it's not a, there's no judgment of good and bad. It's really is that like, as with anything, you have to always progress and change. Continuous change needs to happen. Yes. Because again, what my parents were dealing with in, in very simple terms, right? They didn't grow up with just the internet being available 24 seven at the touch of a button and all of what that means. They didn't grow up in a social media world. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't grow up with those things. So uh, now that I lived in that world, I have a whole new ways of having to deal with these sort of right. aspect that they didn't have to. Right. And I'm sure once my kiddos are teenagers, there'll be something that I can't, you know, Something you can't even fathom, can't I even fathom, fathom right now. Right. I will have to parent them around. And yes, sometimes and it adjust definitely, and yet again, as, <laughs> as a parent, you're going to have to put guardrails. There's, I'm not saying, oh, allow your kids to do whatever and wherever they, you know, wish. <laughs> you need to put guardrails for sure. Right. But take it again away from I'm the authority. <laughs> and and more of I am the guide to these beings that are completely different from me. They're not a, they're not an extension or a reflection of me. They're their own actualized self. Yeah. And I'm here as a guide. Yeah. And that is a very hard job to do. It's a very oh my gosh, it's so hard. Once they leave you. But they say we saw we said heard that before. Um, it's like your heart walking outside of your chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you no longer have any any control. You can't at all. Because, and trying to control it, you're just going to create this thing again with you know Ethan and Searcher and Jaeger. You as much as you try to control a thing, it will look more and more for its freedom. And if you yes. don't, and if you don't again create that environment where they can search safely they're Mm. going to turn to other 
people or places or environments that might not be good to them. Right. But they right. will definitely look other ways. Yes. That's a will. And every time. <laughs> so yeah, I think we both totally agree that the climax certainly delivered with the mini twist from the family dynamic to the mm -hmm. ultimate world saving organism dynamic mm -hmm. that they were experiencing as they realized they were living inside of a creature and working through its insides and finding mm -hmm. all these things. And that it was basically a cancer or a form of cancer. Yeah. The thing that they were using mm -hmm. to help make their lives more convenient was acting as a cancer for the ultimate world, which would ultimately destroy it all. It was, mm -hmm. it was extremely fascinating. Jesus, baby. Just like we just talked about how we can't let our kids, here go my kid about to jump off my office chair, grabbing <laughs> onto me like he on the cliff. Um, so the next question, what was the impact or how did it make you feel? I just really loved it. It, it. it reminded me very much of Meatballs with a Chance. What was it? Rain with a Chance of Meatballs or whatever that movie was. It, it. I feel like it had that same sort of- Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Of meat, yes. Yes. It had that same kind of just- very easy to follow storyline that has a great that teaches you a great lesson about how important it is to take care of our surrounding and take care of others from you know humans to the planet to the earth you know, to whatever environment that is there that is sustaining you yes yes um, that is so, sustaining so, you so, is the key yes do not like, literally bite the hand that feeds you so the visuals were just again amazing. The I feel like the characters um were very much well written. And that was one thing that I would say. Because at one point, right, we have because we haven't really talked about all the characters, but we have Callisto, who is Avalonia's leader. Avalonia is the sort of country town, you know, right. that we all live in. And she's the leader and she is the one that is spearheading this um, expedition to try mm -hmm. to uncover the truth. And as a leader, right, with a mission in mind, I really was like, oh my God, is she going to be the villain? She's going to like, you know, keep them away and do all of that, you know, she can to keep them from trying to rescue the creature that they live on. Right. But like this hard headed villain, which we've seen yeah. before in films. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of, you know, another movie we just talked about, Avatar. Okay. <laughs> okay. So to see how she was able to, as a leader, as a great, I feel like that's a, that is one of the most underrated aspects of leadership mm. that is rarely shown, but I was so happy to see it here. It's again, when you have new information, yeah, to be able to say I was wrong. Yes. Yes. And, that part. And that I need to pivot as a leader. I'm going to pivot and and again, do what is the most right. Right. And that takes a lot because as the leader of Babylonia, if they effed up, she has to go back to her people and say, well, this thing that we, you know, rely on again for our whole livelihood. Yes. Is no longer there. 
like sold their shrugs. Oh well. Right. <laughs> that is that is a lot hmm. to put on somebody's shoulders and to it's a lot. make that split second decision. Seriously. And then even made a mention to that too with Meridian, like, all right, guys, now we're on our way back to angry masses, no co cold mm -hmm. coffee, and instead of there, because it was like again, just a little bit a drizzle of what the reality is. Yeah, cold coffee. You know how many people are going to be pissed off at that? Um, no electricity. Um, you know, like these these things that are very much a part of our everyday lifestyles now. So everyone's going to be pissed. The masses are going to be, you know, massing like. No, mm -hmm. it, the conveniences of our lives that we have now depended on is gone. And so now we all have to pivot into a new way of living in order to live longer because mm -hmm. the convenience of now is our detriment for the future, for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so hard to look past what you need now for what you would need tomorrow or mm -hmm. for what you want now for what you need tomorrow. And so it was, yeah, right. I think she was an because, excellent leader for that. And, and I, it's very brave. And that is truly what a visionary leader is. Yes. It's being able to not just see the now, but envision the the future and see yes. how what I'm doing now will actually position us even better. Right. And to see the big picture and to focus and to, on the big and picture. And to know that you will have to uh what is that word change the minds of mm. so many people mm. to buy into that vision with you yes so i think super underrated lesson but wanted to highlight it because that is a hard thing to do it's a oh hard gosh. thing to want to do yes so. and be willing to do even if you want to because it's not the comfortable decision at all oh for sure not so mm -hmm. Uh, and that way, yeah, I, I think it was, again, on the surface, one of those movies that you have that first layer storyline and then a very even bigger, greater second, third storyline, whenever, however you want to look at it and not analyze it or focus on the different characters that we are given. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I thought um, it was, I thought <clears throat> the impact to me and how it made me feel was extremely hopeful and excited mm -hmm. that just kind of like that criticism that critics said, oh, it's simple. The story is so simple. I think it was necessary. I think we need it. And I think it's the reality. Things are very simple. A lot of these things with like climate change or things that we're dealing with now or seeing our world slowly and surely turn against us um, is is simple, technically simple fixes, but they would take <laughs> so much from our daily comforts and everything like that, that it seems it becomes so much more complicated um, that we don't even want to look at other ways to make it work without fighting tooth and nail to keep the comforts that we have now. Um, and that's just, that's the point. The simplicity is the point. Um, so I love that. I love that more films are coming out that express and, and reflect the world we're living in and the complexities of our family dynamics and everything that we're experiencing now. I feel like it helps us all to really understand each other and ourselves so much better. I love that every Disney and Pixar film feels like a therapy session. Mm. I love it very much, but also an entertaining therapy session. Mm. I love the impact on how this film to me did what we've discussed films before 
like for instance, um, Wendell and Wilde and mm -hmm. how it took so many different diverse topics and pieces and placed it all in into the story. But because they wanted to get so much in, it felt like they threw everything but the kitchen sink into the storyline. And, and the simplicity kind of didn't necessarily, it got more complicated. Mm -hmm. To me anyway, my opinion was it got more complicated than it needed to be. Mm -hmm. I felt like this film did did it beautifully and that it showed all this diverse aspects and people and the way everyone's living and it made it simple. It made it so okay, which was so exciting for me. Oh my gosh, I cannot explain. All these different um, cultures, all these different mm -hmm. ethnicities living together, not even mentioning, not even considering the fact that they're all completely different cultures and ethnicities um, they have a dog who is disabled, has one one of his legs are missing. No one mentioned it, no one cared, but it was it was representation. They had a um a, a multi uh interracial couple that was a main couple here. No one mentioned it. It wasn't anything different. It was just is what it is. They had a gay son. Um when he was getting all ooh, ooh, butterfly um with the boy oh gosh, his what's his name this, what's his name uh, da dazio. dazio or something right or diazo or something like that yeah diazo diazo when he got all like butterfly and and it was like i can relate you know to the butterflies i felt as a teenager and all your emotions hormones all lifted up but this boy and then his father came to snoop and be involved and he treated it just the way a father would with his with his heterosexual son liking a girl. And it was like, you know, it was like corny and 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 great and accepting and beautiful and the way it's supposed to be. And gosh, I don't know if anyone else did, but I know me and even when I saw it a second time with my parents, they did too. All of us held our breath internally and quietly on the scene where they're all on the ship. Jaeger has been reunited with them. Mm -hmm. And Jaeger asked Ethan, Hey, any sweethearts? I love how to even use the language yeah. to be inclusive. Yes. You know, any sweethearts back at home or something that, you know, you want. And we were all like, <gasps> because it's so mm -hmm. typical in yes. this world and our lives it. that the older generation would, you know, not be accepting of a very real thing that has been here since the dawn of time. Okay. Homosexuality and all the things, but is now being brought to um, a, a, I guess, attention or more, um, and normal, no, more of the norm and being um, highlighted more in our commercials and our t in our media and our in our lives, mm -hmm. etc. So we're all waiting for him to be like a boy. And soon as he's like Diazo, I really like him. And Grandpa Yeager's like, okay, so this is what we do, right? This is how you get him. And we're like, I know everybody's big breath of XLO. Mm -hmm. This is nice. <laughs> And again, it, 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 and that it's also as much as I definitely personally want media, film particularly, to when they when they do show certain characters and their background to not just be like, oh, we're all human race because hey, we're the world is complicated to mm -hmm. kind of talk a bit more about that. At the same time, it is refreshing. Yes, so refreshing is the word. When 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 you when you are viewing something for the es escapism of it all. Yes. To 
not have to like dwell on like real world things sometimes yes! you know, I, I just contradicted myself i realized that but because hey we're complex creatures hey <laughs> uh, we can hold two things different yeah two things can be true <laughs> and it, it that was that for me because i i like you and your family kind of had a little bit of a hold the breath moment at that mm -hmm. particular scene as well and then to realize hey whatever whoever ethan was into Jaeger's sort of as much as it's like you know very bombastic uh, <laughs> advice will work for anybody yes because we are all into adventurous people yes yes, yes. <laughs> you know and, and, and that's again that's like that's that's that is how you normalize something where it has been culturally stigmatized is that yes. hey no matter who Ethan could have said he had a crush on yes that advice would have applied and fit into Jaeger's character okay you know and yes and, 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 he didn't, and Jaeger didn't need to change who he was yeah. to apply it he was just yeah. him and it was so it was so wonderfully done yes um I'm sure it was on purpose the way they made us all that that conversation happening and I was it was very refreshing and that word. again the right word. As I keep saying, like it's the little things. It's the little and things. And the little things, as Maya just mentioned, is the inclusivity. You can, yes. you can, we already have words that are inclusive. Yes. You don't have to like think too hard and deeply and do like mathematics to find them. They're there. You can say sweetheart. You can say yes. crush. You can say, I get butterflies and I love. Like, <laughs> Because and those were are, all again, very universal feelings, experiences, emotions. Yes. And it was it was really big on me, last thing I'll say, um, and exciting and refreshing, and that I had a partner who also was just as open and okay with this. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times, because it's, <clears throat> it's not in our norm or consistently put in our media, we mm -hmm. also um, get to walk in this world, again, with the default mindset of what's okay and what's not, even mm -hmm. if we never bring it up. So when you see these things being put on these platforms like this, you don't know what your partner or your child or your friend, how they will react because they're experiencing this for the first time too, or what have you. Like, you don't know if something's gonna be like, wait, you don't like this? And that could be a whole new argument on the drive home. Who knows? But I love that we were all in this together and happy to see it. Meanwhile, next to me was a gentleman with his little child, it looks like a grandpa and his son, I mean, his grandson, small kid. He brought him to the movie theater. Um, the first red flag was, of course, they showed the Little Mermaid um, trailer because <laughs> that's that's what it is when they put some real marketing power behind something. We're going to be mm -hmm. watching this until months mm -hmm. and months until it actually come out. When you have a full, like, not even a full trailer, a teaser trailer. <laughs> Okay. A movie that's almost a year out. That okay. Is marketing power. That is marketing power. And the gentleman next to me was like, nope. Like out loud to it. And I was like, yep. And <laughs> like it was like that dynamic. But then as soon as the film started and you saw the interracial couple of Meridian and Searcher mm -hmm. um kissing and loving on each other. And then you saw Ethan kind of swooning over Diazzo. Mm -hmm. The man was moving around uncomfortably. And then at one point he left, he left with the little boy and they never returned. Oh. And it was very disheartening mm -hmm. because it was just like, 
that's how you try to keep someone in the dark instead of putting mm -hmm. the light because this is the world we live in like this isn't for you and the fact that if it was just you fine go somewhere but the fact that you took the the little boy you know what else is he you know being held away from and it but it was a little disheartening, but at the same time, I was very proud to look to my right and see my kids and my husband sitting there and us being able to be like, you know, this is what we want our children to see and experience and learn and not be, you know, limited in, in, what, in, in the world that they live in. It was, ugh, I was so frustrated, but at the same time, I was like, I'm not letting you guys mess up my time because I'm having a good time watching this movie. So yeah, I feel like the impact was excellent. Feel like there could have been some more marketing power behind it because I want more people to see it, but I'm glad it's on Disney Plus. I feel like those numbers are probably going to rise a lot more because another film that had a very similar beginning is Encanto. They didn't have a whole bunch of marketing power behind that either, but as soon as it hit Disney Plus, since more people are comfortable at home, those numbers skyrocketed, and I hope the same will happen for Strange World. So, if you don't have any other last things, I'd like to ask for your popcorn moments. Oh. I'm I'm thinking because they, they're okay. So I'm gonna take something very sweet, and yes. So for me, my popcorn moment, it's the little scene when we have it's between Splat and Eaton. So Splat is like this sort of like a white blood cell blob, yeah, uh, being, and. As we seeing this scene, we it, there's a, you know, it's like Ethan just being in awe of this world, and he just also just already as a kid at heart, right? Mm -hmm. um, already just trust and you know is excited to have this like new friend or at least this new friendly being in Splat, and it's us uh, that the that scene is split with Jaeger. And uh, telling Cersei, hey, like these beings, they actually lead you to your death. <laughs> <laughs> and we see it with like Splat, you know, leading him and saying like, hey, you you lay down. <laughs> right, you stay right here. <laughs> you stay right here and you lay down. And then he goes and try to get what we thought were the villains and the bad guys to wake up and find this new... Um, creature to attack because hey it's an outsider yes and as the scene quickly like uh develops um Splat gets uh a sort of attacked by the pendo his arm is you know hurt and Ethan by virtue of him you know being very gentle and patient with Splat and actually um taking care of that broken or affected arm, he's like, oh, he's not a bad agent here. He's actually very helpful and nice. And this actually creates one of the most um, foundational relationship within the film. And for me, I extrapolate that to be, hey, again, with this constant theme of shedding light on uh on things it's this very important lesson of 
most time, once you humanize another person, it's very difficult to see them as, I don't, like, as an enemy, as an mm. uh, inhuman being. Mm. And that, I really relate that to, like, um, race relations, <laughs> especially in this country. Okay. Okay. Right? Because it's in the act of being in community in community with one another that we can dispel a lot of very outdated, dangerous uh, notions. And it has to come from the oppressor, like willing to be in community with those that are oppressed. Because yeah. in that particular scene, right? It, and I'll do a quick little detour too, is the fact that stories, and that's why you always need different perspective, right? Because whoever's telling your story, they're going to tell you their intention, their, you know, their humanity and the reason behind how, why their action is valid, is right, should have happened. Mm-hmm. And in that particular scene, because really there's no good or bad, really, is just lived in experiences and perspective, is you can totally see Ethan being like, hey, this thing tried to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> and if I and I could and I could use Pendo to kill all of them. And right. I would be justified because my life was that, you know, was in danger. Right. And he'll be right. And on the other hand, you'll have Splat who's like, hey, there's these intruders and whenever yes. we have intruders we've had to um rely on ourselves and take care of it because hey here here we have a good example of a pen like the pendo plant who's yes. taking over a whole ecosystem yes and when you don't know the intention or whatever these things are you have to protect yourself and protection is hey i need to kill it <laughs> <laughs> right now you have like this very conflicting viewpoints mm-hmm. who are really just trying to preserve their own existence. Yes. Beautifully and, said. Yes. And so I think, as I said, I love that scene because although it's a very small kind of inno- innocuous scene and the act of, again, looking past just our own um safety mm-hmm. and taking care of the other and giving mm. the other the benefit of the doubt and treating right. them with grace right we then are able to not just again right not just sort of have this great relationship but literally save ourselves because now we have a great ally right right because without that one little part yeah. So, so much would not have been accomplished. Exactly. That is my popcorn moment. What about yourself? If I have to pick one to be quick, because usually we all just stick to one, but I love the dancing scene with the parents and Ethan where I eat, we're cooking. Oh, and that, oh, yes. It was just so wholesome. It was literally so wholesome. So I truly enjoyed that scene. And that would be the popcorn moment. Because that's like something I'll aspire to with my family. 
Yeah, so it was what do you rate it as? I rate it as a solid large. It's it's a solid large. It's one that will definitely be on the rotation with the kiddos, mm-hmm. right? On a good sort of like rainy day, you need something to just cuddle under the covers, you know, and watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will give it an extra large because I just remember feeling so many of the feels walking out of that theater. It was a really, really, really good time. And it gave so much, like, it was so um, ripe with conversation. Like, she just wanted to talk about all the different aspects of it um, and all the different things it, it brought out in you and how you can apply it to your current world. So it was it was a good, good time, extra large for me. And so, yeah, I think we're done talking about Strange World. So let's close ourselves out. Yes. Everyone, please remember to follow us, review us, support us on all your podcast listening platforms. We are the Popcorn Podcast. That's P-O-C Corn Podcast. We are part of the We Need to Talk Club channel of podcasts. We have a website, we need to talk.club, where we actually have all our different podcasts that we do listed as well as a link there so definitely check out our website you can also see our beautiful faces as your hostesses if you want to take a peek behind the voices and we thank you we love you guys we'll see you um 2023 is here by the time this comes out and so we will see you in the credits happy new year bye bye